Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Join us as we explore Tolkien and all the ages of Middle-earth with your hosts from TheOneRing.com, Jonathan Watson, Michael Grumbine, and Dan Coates. Hey, everybody. If you're listening to this, I am so sorry that you don't see the image on your screen. It is linked in the show notes below. Oh, that's awesome. I, you know, I'm really glad, Jonathan, you did not show us that beforehand. It just, yeah. just started with that on the screen. That is fantastic. So it is a... It is a it is a the reactions are genuine folks it's a it's an animated image that mm -hmm. uh, artist richard one of our members put together and posted in uh, discord of uh three rocks floating struggling to stay awake by their eyes cast high high in the sky and one poor rock who's looking down with his <laughs> trying to hold his breath in and the last rock above him who's still looking up says no Dwayne, look up look up and it's it's just so perfect and i had to <laughs> i had to share it because man that this is this is better than oh, any that's of other awesome stuff. this is where uh ai art can never compete with something uh this awesome i'll link it in the in the show notes below so that everybody can can uh can look at it but it is it is superlative it is great i love it i love it so thanks to artist artist richard for that one and thank you for joining us we are uh into the second episode into the uh, calabeth and um man that means we second only have and like final. second and final and we only have like well, theoretically unless we're going to go like three hours and i'm going to be forced to like cut it in half which is likely it is likely well, dan does have something to go, go to tonight so i do have things yeah. to do yeah yeah you have a cigar to pick out and we will let you do that yeah. um so uh <clears throat> yeah but the, the what you saw there the uh poor Dwayne sinking to the bottom of the ocean because he kept looking down which of course is a reference to the rings of power in the second age which is where we are in the calabeth where finrod says to galadriel do you know the difference between a ship and a rock well rocks look down and ships look up and that's where they work so anyway thank you thank you artist richard he is one of the members uh that joined just in a private discord he gets the extended podcast which is about you know 15 to 30 minutes longer depending on uh how forgiving we are of our time and uh and yeah it's uh it's four dollars a month first month is free just go to the one slash member and uh sign up and join us it's uh it's a lot of fun and we're doing a let's see actually by the time we record this we will have had our monthly live stream stream uh the saturday before so i apologize uh but we did are... you just say monthly live screen i probably did live stream, <laughs> live stream? it's not a live stream it's not, uh, sorry it's an actual like uh live chat with all the members of discord there's no like uh lording it down from uh, somebody who can stream and everybody else has to just uh type so we're all together in this and we'll have had our first uh tomorrow night is our first uh, book club we're reading taliesin by merlin oh, by merlin <laughs> <laughs> taliesin by stephen r lawhead which i read the first two chapters and i realized you know what this is, he's i forgot how actually he's an effective writer he's better than many of the others that i've read recently and uh he's not he he says what he means and he doesn't go into too much flowery detail like you might with a robert jordan to like set the stage i just he, like he, he he tends to keep going and i enjoy that so anyway yeah join us in in our discord by going to the wondering.com slash member and you can get us into our book club you can get into our uh week monthly uh video chats and uh, get the extended podcast every week too uh but this week we we do have a an an all that is gold because all that is gold does not glitter uh it's our one-year anniversary 
on oh. the 18th yeah. of May. That's yeah, when yes. we released our very first podcast one year we ago. Did it. So our next episode, uh, did we get 52 episodes? Probably 51, because I think we took a one-week break once around the 4th of July. Mm. I didn't Sad care. Sad patriotism. Have, have, I don't think. It's quality, <laughs> not con- quantity. <laughs> um so anyway uh next week our episode is going to be asking each other the confessions from the comfy chair which are usually only for our members when we do interviews uh we've done a few like with austin freeman and uh with uh well i guess steve we didn't ask steve those questions we're gonna have to do that steve from glass hammer who's on our uh, almost hmm. weekly live streams but yeah we asked them you know our, our 10 important questions we'll ask each other them and if you remember please please ask those additional questions if you have any other questions for us anything else you want to uh query of us and how we uh approach tolkien or just in general you know what what's what's my favorite kind of pizza you can ask that too and uh, we'll throw it in there um and if you have any questions in in uh, youtube or anywhere else you can uh dm me on twitter at torque t-o-r-c and ask questions there too and we'll try and throw them in just make it a fun sort of uh get to know you kind of session but uh, i'm sure some of those confessions from the comfy chair will be enough for some and so, we are not monsters our favorite pe- um, pizza does not have pineapple on it mm. Mm. correct yes although i'm not against oh it. no mm. it's not yeah. my favorite i have to rage quit this podcast <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll just I'll just go ahead and mute you, Michael. All right, perfect. There you go. <laughs> I did mute him. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So we have to get into the second chapter, the second chapter, the second half, the second two thirds. The anyway. Um, I, uh, I, I, I bet Turin likes uh, pineapple on his pizza. <laughs> oh. Turin probably does. Turin probably does. <laughs> <laughs> Now I can't answer that question because somebody might need to an- ask that question. We'll have to answer it next week. Maybe that's the additional question. We're trying to find one more question for our uh, contra- confessions from the comfy chair. Maybe that's the question. Pineapple on pizza. Is that allowed? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, Dan, we're going to kick it off with you again. So Dan's big thought. It's on you. All right, we finally have religion in Middle Earth. Like we, we've seen all those articles about, um, well, Tolkien. He just kept this very uh, generic. It's just a, it's just a world that doesn't have any religious themes in it. Uh, Tolkien did not inject his Catholicism into Middle Earth, and in this chapter, we definitely see that Tolkien is writing from that perspective of being a Catholic and having that background informing what he's writing. And we see religion come to the island of Numenor. And right away, you have uh, human sacrifice taking place. And you have temples being built uh, to honor Melkor. They're, they're basically devolving into Satanism. And wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Lord. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. So you're, but, but there was real religion first, right? That was the corruption. He's talking about Catholicism, that, Michael. He's talking about Catholicism. <laughs> right. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> That's what well, it sounded like. I know, I know. Yeah. Wow. So obviously, earlier on in, well, that, I wasn't meaning it that way at all. 
So, <laughs> wow. So obviously, earlier on in the Quintus Cimmerillion, we have we are introduced to the Valar and the Eru as being the creator and the angels and they're singing creation into existence. And now we finally have the men on the scene, and this is like the first great civilization of men, and they are starting religion now, and they are descending immediately into worshiping the devil and human sacrifice. So I just thought that that was interesting that um, it, it's, it's almost like right away where, where Sauron is able to corrupt them. He's able to deceive them. He, he basically tells them that Eru isn't real. Like they're, they're already, they're already devolved so far that they're going into atheism to, of denying that Eru Ilubitar even exists. And the true Lord is Melkor and he gives you freedom. Whereas the Valar, they want to enslave you. They they want they're they're lying to you to trick you to to enslave you, and right. the one who gives you real freedom is Melkor. And in order for you to get life and and get eternal life, uh, let's just start sacrificing these people. <laughs> so, th- this is a really interesting chapter. Um, it's really it's a really interesting way that that Tolkien he's telling his tale of Atlantis, and he's also weaving in this tale of um, it's almost like cancel culture. You have like the faithful, you have like the, 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 the remnant who are being faithful to Eru and the Valar. And you have, uh, kind of like the, just the current of their culture that is, is very much like we need to cancel all those people and worship the devil. <laughs> so it's pretty amazing. Right. And it, and it's all under the, auspices or rather the the driving theme of Numenor which is they desire to escape death that's the, yeah. that that's the thing that they want more than anything but I did I also found it fascinating and it is funny that Tolkien brings in direct religion and then disposes of it in one chapter mm-hmm. wow well you can't say Tucker Carlson isn't on the internet anymore <laughs> oh Dan's mug is incredible <laughs> wow <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't even know what to say. Got to got to support the guy. Just take a look mm. at Dan's mug. Yeah. Okay. So so we have we're introduced to right religion, which the Numenorians were the first to worship first men to worship Eero directly, and they do so. They have a mountain for doing so, and regular and and rituals um, to do so. And then within, I mean, it's short. It's a short time period in terms of the reading of it, but it's. 20 kings later it's you know Mm -hmm. 23 kings later before they actually dispose of it and 25 kings later before they turn to the worship of um of of darkness and and melkor of morgoth and it was essentially satan and and the child sacrifice so it does take them a long time thousands of years to get there Mm -hmm. uh, but uh they corrupt and it and the root of their corruption comes from their overweening desire for eternal life and to escape death. Mm. Very interesting. And that all stems back from what happened at the very beginning of where we started today, which is Sauron's back. Right. And, and I think it's, Sauron is an interesting character because he's not, he's, it's like, he's not really there. He doesn't want to conquer with armies. I think the, the, was it the, the word Tolkien used was guile. He knew that in order to change the world in order to change the hearts of men, right? It wasn't like he would conquer them with arms. He would have to conquer them uh, in another way. 
Well, I, I actually, I'm going to take issue with that. No. He, he's perfectly happy conquering with armies, and he does so. He fights a war against the elves. He conquers the men around him. But when an, uh, uh, the Numenorians come to town in full battle array, um, he realizes that's not going to work, and he has no problem switching instantly to Guile. So it's to me, it's like the left hand and the right hand. He's happy to use the right hand to crush, but if he can't crush, he's also happy to use cunning subterfuge yeah. guile to undermine you well and i guess it's at this point that um he has already lost the battle with the uh with a lot of the elves right is that is that right am i am i am i, am I remembering all the yeah because right? at this point he's already made the yes rings. so yes right yeah he's made the rings yeah right he's made the rings and he's made and war that, upon the elves right. and he but he won most of that war he was he driven back eventually but but, but but his guile still was what made the rings right so his success all of his mm -hmm. success doesn't really come from military strength it really comes from him undermining everything hmm. undermining the elves undermining the men turning their hearts away from what is good turning their hearts into like you know the greed I don't know. I think the stones of Eregion would have something to say about that. He laid waste to that land because the elves and the elf smiths were in that land. And I'm not saying he didn't, but he also like, okay, so I, look, I'm not saying he's not like a conquering foe, but I'm, what I am saying is that he conquered much through guile. Yes. By, by changing. The well, his greatest, his greatest master strokes are through guile. I agree with that. Yeah, so yeah. both the, what, the creation of the one ring and the domination of others through the rings, that was guile. And right. then the the downfall of Numenor's guile. So his greatest strokes are through guile. But in the in the in all the middle terms in the middle, like he's he he takes over whole the whole swaths of land right. of Middle Earth. He's right. worshipped as a god in the east. But so, without guile, he never would have won. Uh, the strength yes. of strength of arms would not be enough. Whereas Correct. Apparently, with the Numenorians, it was. At least he thought so. Without just by looking at them, and their four ships. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So you you really you really get a sense uh, reading this how glorious and how powerful the Numenorians were. Like it, it, they show up and he just immediately surrenders. He doesn't put up a single ounce of fight, and it makes me wonder um, who was more powerful: the Numenorians at their height, or all of the Eldar fighting Morgoth in the First Age? Yeah, that's a good question. Hmm. Because like it seems like they show up and Sauron's like, nope, not going to do this. But Sauron had just spent the last five hundred years fighting the, the the elves, and he didn't have that response. So it is very interesting to me. That's true. Do you mean how the elves in the in the in the final battle against Morgoth, how in that array of power? Uh, well, they um, had they had valor with them then. So yeah, so yeah. I, I guess I'm talking about like the 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 battles of uh, Beleriand where. Mm -hmm. Um, they, they had the siege on Angband for 500 years or so. I mean, you got to think like these guys have been sitting for a couple thousand years on their island without anything to hinder them. And right. so everything has been getting better and better and better. And they reach the height of it. And then they, they reach the height of their glory, but they start on the descent, their moral descent at that point. I don't yeah. want to jump ahead too much or get out of order. Um, um, I'm not too much of a systematic, like page by page guy on on these discussions. But one thing that's interesting to me is that when R. Farazan, who is the the king of Numenor, when they go to Middle Earth and they capture Sauron, when he goes, they are not there as the good guys. They they go because R. Farazan takes umbrage with Sauron for declaring himself king of kings, king of and, king of men, or yep. king of men, and R. Farazan says, "Nope, 
that's me. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's just it's just really interesting to me that this isn't like good versus evil. It's just like, no, I'm 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 coming in and I'm gonna be the king of men. So Right. It's 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 simply their his desire for power. It's interesting because there was a a scene when right right uh, before he decided to do that, where Arfair is on sitting on his throne, and it says, and sitting upon his carven throne in the city of Armenelos, in the glory of his power, he brooded darkly, thinking of war, for he had learned in Middle Earth of the strength of the realm of Sauron and of his hatred of Westerness. This reminds me of Morgoth sitting in his throne in Angband, brooding. And thinking of war, this is this is our Farazan is now a small shadow of Morgoth, and we see that that um, he becomes a much uh, closer parallel to Morgoth as time goes on, and he becomes, in the words of Tolkien, the greatest tyrant among men that the world had ever seen. So, so this is so that. The tale picking up from, I mean, it's not complicated, like Jonathan said. We don't have to go through page by page. But basically, the, the, the idea is from the 13th, it was the 13th king, I think, 13th or the 11th king. Darn, I should have been more specific. But um, the 11th or 13th king, oh, don't, oh. There he is. There he is. <laughs> the greatest king, the greatest, most glorious, oh, man. So I have a I, I had a funny reaction when I was reading this. I'm like, I, I'm reading this, rereading this for the what, sixth time now. And I'm looking at him going, so all of the kings of the Numenorians start with R. They, they take the title R. And they're also the greatest sea masters in the world. So does that mean that these are they're all pirates? This is where we get the R. Never name your your yourself. <laughs> oh, geez, that's all, so bad, they're all, Michael. They're pirate oh kings, gosh. right? <laughs> they become pirates. Can... Well, by the end, you know, our our is really he's leaning into the R because he goes and sla- <laughs> enslaves people on Middle Earth and takes stuff, and he just yeah. takes away their wealth and then enslaves them. It sounds like a pirate to me. So, there you go. There's the origin of the uh, <laughs> of the piratical um, yeah language. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, well, lame uh, dad jokes aside, um, there's a um, there's an arc here which is very simple, like Jonathan was saying, where basically we see the mess the the um, the Numenorians reach the, reach the height of their bliss in the either eleventh or thirteenth king. I can't remember off the top of my head, and they are not happy. They're they're the they're the happiest they've been. It sounds funny to say they reached the height of their bliss mm-hmm. and they're not happy, but there's this one thing that they really, really, really want and really, really, really bothers them. Even, it says, even the faithful are bothered by this, Mm. which is death. And so they make a petition. This is the time when ships are still coming out of the West occasionally. And so the Valar actually send messengers to them to answer what is a growing rot or a growing problem inside of Numenorean society after 1,000, 1,500 years or so. Mm -hmm. And that is this obsession with death and avoiding it. And so they are not happy with the answers of the Val- of Valar. We read, we read about that last, um, <clears throat> last episode, right. l- last podcast. And so this whole, pod- this whole reading, the second half, is the fruit of them not being happy with it. So they're not happy with it. First they split into the king's men and the Elendili, um, the friend, elf friends. And then they, as time goes on, that becomes more and more hardened. 
I think you you said Jonathan or no Dan said it's like almost like they're canceled. So they cancel the elf friends. They're happy to just let them go off and sail away um, and never be seen again because they want nothing to do with them ever again. They want them out of their society, and they're all about men. Um, and and uh, they there's this great line where they where it says, and I'm paraphrasing, essentially, they no longer love the Valar, but at least they feared them. And and so mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't break the ban of the Valar yet. It takes a lot more than that to fear them to um to to break the ban. So they 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 grow in might and power. And of course, the whole arc of this reading is just them growing in power. And then they grow so powerful they can actually conquer Sauron by might of arms, or they could is the implication. Um, and so Sauron surrenders. And um, and then in in and then from then on, what we have, I don't know if you guys saw it too, we have essentially a tale of um, a, a sideways tale of the of Exodus. Mm. So you have um, you have the great, most powerful king of the on the earth, and you have him being tempted to think that he's greater than than God. And all of these signs start happening. God starts sending, you know, there's the the weather changes, and you have these storms that come in with clouds like like eagles and fire under their wings and lightning and lightning starts blowing things up and killing people on a regular basis. And, and they, they, um, the Numenorians build this evil temple um, that Sauron is essentially the high priest of for, to, to the satanic um, worship of, you know, human sacrifice and the worship of Morgoth. And that temple gets, gets blown, you know, gets hit by lightning and, and not, and and what's the verb that keeps popping up at least I, by my count five times might might have been more. They kept hardening their heart. Go back mm-hmm. to Exodus. Pharaoh mm-hmm. keeps hardening his heart. There's these signs and wonders come from God that that you're not doing. You're on the right path, dude. You're you know turn from your path, and and he doesn't and he won't. And and then finally, um, you know God destroys their civilization at the height of their their hubris. And and they're in their greatest act of sin, which is to send an army out, just like in Exodus. And so their whole army goes out to invade the land that they wish to take by force, and with water, God destroys them. So I see a t- tremendous number of parallels um, hmm. with ec- with Exodus, um, and and you know obviously even in more Titanic uh, literary terms than Exodus, because there's actual chasm that opens in the ocean and pulls in True. the whole. <laughs> you know, breaks the world, not just not just um, uh, water like a wall on their right and on their left in in, in the Book of Exodus, mm-hmm. but but um, you know this is it's this old, has become strange. an Old Testament tale. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'd never occurred to me as Exodus because I think the 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 idea that it's Atlantis is so front and center. It, well, it's both, right? It's both. Tolkien, I know it's both. Tolkien, it, Tolkien it, does a lot of things at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There's a little bit of an element. I'm not saying it's a direct parallel, but it, it, there's an element of the Tower of Babel as well. Like, not saying that the, the languages get divided, but they they are trying to ascend to heaven. They are trying to mm-hmm. enter into the blessed land by force, and it gets ripped away from them, and they all get drowned and yeah. and and turned under the rocks. Like they they I think I think Tolkien writes they get like buried under the hills <laughs> as soon yeah. as they step foot on the on the With land the army the army itself gets buried under the hills that's right yeah so this is just a very powerful image of trying to trying to seize heaven by force of arms 
and then there's even the Moses and 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 um, you know God's people element where the faithful mm-hmm. escape um, from the destruction of mm-hmm. that 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 is reserved for the for um, the rest of the Numenorians or, mm-hmm. or Egyptian army in this in the case of Exodus. So so the the um, you have the remnant and and they are much diminished, but they survive and um, travel survive at at the end in us in a kind of act of some some kind of providence where essentially their ships mm-hmm. probably would have been submerged and destroyed along with the entire island of Numenor. The, one of the few things they actually got right in Rings of Power was the wall, the wave wall. Mm-hmm. There's an actual the wave vision. wall. Yep, the vision of um, Tarmiriel and Rings of Power, and there is no Tarmiriel in uh, in Tolkien. There's a Muriel, but she's not a Tar. Um, and and uh, there, but that that um, that w- a wall um, of water does in fact is does is in fact the the um, the ending of Numenor, and it does in fact destroy the island. Does the does the prefix tar have a uh, have a meaning? I'm no, I know it does for Tolkien, but uh, does tar slash something mean mean something in Numenor? I think it's just the female version of R, tar versus oh, R. R and tar. Okay, yeah, it just means it means queen or uh, in, in oh, okay. Just like R means king. Yeah, I was kind of like surprised reading through this uh, for the first time. Uh, Muriel is very quickly mentioned and then very quickly gets sidelined. And, well, yeah, because her husband, her her husband is her cousin, who's for- who forces her to marry him. Right, and then not a very girl, not a very girl power moment. So uh, Amazon did away with that. <laughs> yeah, so so Amazon made a whole season about her, and in the rings of in in. In Akelabeth, she's a paragraph, and she's sidelined. <laughs> yeah, and I look if if I was in charge of making the Rings of Power series, I would have expanded her character too. I just would have kept yeah. to the text. Um, you you would have learned a lot more about her. She was she was the the daughter of, of you know the last good king. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think Tar Palantir. So, yeah, Tar Palantir. And oh wait. I'm wrong about the queen thing. Tar, yeah, tar, tar is the older tar form is, then. Tar is. Um, yep. Thank you, Jonathan. Lumber. Yeah, yeah. It's just well, the what, older what form of, of, of ruler. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so it's the so Tar Palantir was her father, and and he he took the elven name Palantir, and First it's funny time. because it's you know by this time Numenorean society is so corrupt uh, that you have. Um, but no one lifts a finger against him because they're scared of him because he has the true gift of prophecy. So I always thought that was an interesting, like how would that play out politically speaking? Like you can imagine some, some uh, courtroom scenes where some of the nobility who hate the elves and hate what Tar Palantir has revealed himself to be, which is a member of the faithful, um, you know, try to rise up against him. And he basically just like predicts their downfall and then it happens to them. And and everyone else is like, whoa, whoa, okay. All right, man. Just, we'll, we'll just, it's like Homer Simpson. We'll just step back into the bushes here and uh, <laughs> let, <laughs> let's yeah. let you do your thing. And, and and his thing is really sad. Tar Palantir's thing. Like he tried, he brings back the true worship of God. He tries mm-hmm. to, um, you know, uh, appeal to the Valar and it all just falls on deaf ears, and there's no basically because his people have not repented. It's only the king that's repenting, and a small group of people of, of Numenorians. Mm-hmm. Then um, the the vengeance was not so easily turned aside. Uh, mm-hmm. Tolkien said something to that effect. I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but 
You also, with, with Tar Palantir, he's the one that gives the prophecy about the line of kings will end if the tree dies, the white tree. Is that Tar Palantir, I believe? Yes. Um, yeah, reading that was really interesting because that, that, that brings a whole dimension to the white tree of Gondor that we read in Lord of the Rings that when, when it starts blossoming again and, and, or, or when they, when they plant the new tree, when, when Aragorn is crowned King, that, um, like this has been going on for thousands of years This this white tree is being a symbol of, of the line of the true King being alive. And, uh, in, in this chapter, Sauron cuts it down. And burns it, <laughs> right? And burns, burns it, it, yeah, as a, as, a, as part of the sacrificing to uh, Melkor. Um, right. So I thought that was a that was a great picture of of just evil trying to stamp out what's good. Right, and I love Tolkien's use. He has he he has this ability to walk that fine but lovely line between um, sort of the pagan rituals of with the trees and the, all, all the elements of the, of nature and the world that are good in a natural way and then but tie them into the supernatural uh, as well so the trees the white the line of white trees is of course a sign of the blessing of the valar who are the stewards of the earth um, and speaking of that i'm going to read you a line and i'm going to i want your, your all of your reaction about what happens in in the um in the in the 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 uh, money shot of uh of this chapter which is that um the landing of all of the army of the Numenorians on the shores of the blessed land and uh, interestingly the valar themselves do not act against the mint right mm -hmm. so instead it then in the line is then Manway upon the mountain called upon Iluvatar, and for that time the Valar laid down their government of Arda. Very interesting line. Do you think that it means that essentially, can they, <laughs> did that laying down of their government of Arda have an effect into the later years after that? Have they failed in a way and they've had to kick it back to the big guy and and let let iru take the helm and do and do as he wishes Jeez. Yeah, take exactly. the wheel. i did uh, i did that on purpose so oh, so <laughs> but so is it iru take the helm moment and now iru's got because here's the here's an interesting thought that i had gandalf is brought back to life and it isn't monway that brings him back to life it's iru that brings him back to life iluvatar does um mm. It makes it he makes it clear in the quote. We could talk about the specifics um, at another time. It, it's an interesting quote, but it's he makes it clear that it's uh, he's outside of the circles of Arda. So the so Manway can't doesn't have power outside of Arda. So um, and it's and Iluvatar. There's other clues as well from the way he talks that it's that it's Iluvatar. So so is is this giving up of the government? Is this in, a, in effect the Valar saying we failed? So or are you it, asking, it, this is something else. Are you asking from this point forth into the third age, have the Valar laid down their government of Arda? Well, I wouldn't go that far because it's a, it only says for that time, the right. Valar laid so down. So what's, what is your brief question? So my brief question is, did something change in that moment? Is this, is this, um, I can, cause I can see this as a kind of arc where the Valar have been trying to, to juggle the mm -hmm. the children of Iluvatar and do their best 
and they've utterly failed. It's come. They they even they even did the weather thing and the lightning from the sky, and nothing worked. And the eagles of Monway came, and the men still came, and the Valar say they seem to be saying, "I guess can't, can't do it anymore. You take it, God." Yeah. No. Here's what I would say: is that okay. the Valar have don't have the ability to change the fashion of the world, which means to change how how the creation actually works right that's and that's what Iluvatar is doing that's what is happening here he's actually changing the fashion of creation and why was that necessary here uh in order to to separate right the essentially well let me let me find the quote here the land of Amon and Eresea of the Eldar were taken away removed beyond the reach of men forever it's make it's separating that part of the world from the world right the world was made round it was like mm-hmm. all, all ways are bent i think is the way yes um, they put it and yes. that can only be done by iluvatar like they the 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 while the the valar can change the mountains they can change the valleys they can change the waterways they can't change ex- like the it's like changing physics you can't do that if you're if you're a valar you can't actually go in and change how the world works from uh you know, from sea to sky to stars, they can make small changes, but to actually change the fashion of it, to say like, no, 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 we're, we're creating this one path. Iluvatar has created this one path for the elves to, since they are connected to the world, to stay without the uh, influence of men, without the, the evils of men coming over, the, over them anymore. That, that's, where I, that's what I took it as, not as a, uh, Iluvatar has come in and he's, he's allowing Gandalf to come back. Like those, those are moments I think that Manwe would still may go back to Iluvatar and say, what are we doing here? In the same way that he did with Baron and Luthien, right? And the same way he did with creating the Ents and the Eagles. And yes, like it's interesting to me because I agree with you that the, the Valar couldn't have done what, what Iluvatar did there. I, yeah. I utterly agree with that. I question why was it necessary to do that? Could not the Valar have gone and chastised the, the Numenorians some other way and made shocked them back into... Um, it out of their out of their evil, a, what, or was there was there not another have, an, not another way Tolkien for this? To, I agree, I agree. <laughs> but within within Tolkien's world, yeah. why is it? It's very interesting. I think this is the only time when when Manwe calls upon Iluvatar. He doesn't seek to understand the mind of Iluvatar. He doesn't ask Iluvatar questions because we've seen that before. Mm. Both of those things where he tries to understand what Iluvatar's will is. He tr- he asks Iluvatar for. Um, you know, questions, but here they're just like, mm-hmm. Hey, Iluvatar, you take it. Yeah. We don't have it anymore. We're, we give up and we actually give up our governorship, their government, our government of Arda for this time. And, and um, Iluvatar steps in and, and takes over the government of Arda. What's interesting to me is that if the government of Arda had to be given up in order for Iluvatar to do what he did, why doesn't that, now I'm I'm doubting myself. Why doesn't that? Why, why couldn't the Valor have done the same thing? They were the ones that formed the continents in the first place with their song and and, uh, and during the song and the, and the fashioning the early um, era of the world where they were forming continents and things like that. They could, they may not be able to have bent bend the world like that. Maybe, yeah, but that's what I think. Okay, but they could that's have created a chasm and swallowed up Numenor. That's the yeah. I agree with they that. Had, they, had, they had that power. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but they, so maybe, so you're saying they needed to do something totally different. Now I can, I can argue for that position. I, I do think there's a, and there's more to it than that. I can argue that, for example, the, the desire for men to escape death is well nigh insatiable. 
And so no matter what the valor had done, the men were still going to try to seek the blessed land eventually. This might have created a cycle. So maybe that's the reason. Um, it's, mm. it's a fascinating thing, especially in light of the incarnation, which Tolkien was a believer in. It's, you know, to connect this theologically, I know this is not part of the text, but I can't help it from a theology perspective. There's a th connection, and, and it, you, you can see in from Tolkien's perspective that the only thing that would draw men to the God, to God and have them, them come to um, view death as having no sting anymore, as, as the Bible says, would be God coming down and becoming them. And showing them um, um, how 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 this could be possible, um, no Valar on high is oh, no from afar rather is going to be able to do that. Um, so I, I could make that argument, but I was kind of curious whether what you guys thought of the giving up of the government of Arda thing. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's only for a time, and I think it's in order to change the shape of the world. Okay, uh, he writes. Uh, the world was diminished for Valinor and Erisay were taken from it into the realm of hidden things. And so the question yep. would be, yep. would, would the Valar be able to take part of the world into the realm of hidden things since they are still attached to the world and of the world? Well, and here's the interesting thing, right? It isn't just that it's like, oh, guess what? You can't sail to, to Valinor anymore. The world bends and now mm -hmm. and, and it's somewhere else, like out in space in another dimension, something like that. Um, but the world diminishes because Valinor is not connected to it directly anymore. That's very interesting. Yeah. Like there's a lot of blessings that were lost mm -hmm. because of this, not just, you know, the Island being lost and all the people it's, it's, the, there's actual an effect on the world world itself. That's goes beyond, beyond the mm -hmm. physical, the physical um, things done by Iluvatar in this moment. Yeah. I, I would say that I don't think it is a, um, I don't think it is a mark against the Valar. I don't think it's like the Valar failed. I think failure for the Valar, Valar is measured by faithfulness, and I think that they maintained their faithfulness. But I do think it is a mark of their insufficiency, that they, mm -hmm. are, not, they are not Eru. Mm -hmm. they, they do not mm -hmm. measure up to what he can do and, and hmm. what, what, he, what, what he is. And so I think that it is Tolkien showing the supremacy of the one God that um, you know, he changes the whole fashion of the world to forever separate the Valar and the earth. And now the earth is bent and it's, it, it, it just kind of seems it's like bent in more ways than one. That's funny. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> that, that word yeah. bent is interesting in that regard. Yeah. I agree with you, Dan. I think that's good. I, I like that reading of it. And I, and I also see it as, you know, the Valar could do pretty much anything within the confines of the world because they are mm -hmm. governors of the world. But yeah. like you said, Jonathan, what they can't do is, remake the world itself um to be they, a kind they can't of, redeem uh, it well that's that's true too but interestingly the Iluvatar is not redeeming here he's punishing mm -hmm. and protecting protecting the blessed land as well and but he's punishing the men for their for their sin so this is definitely a um he's saving his people the, the remnant mm -hmm. and then he's he's punishing the the evildoers so this is more of an Old Testament God in that sense. Yeah. Um, um, now that so, I think about it, though, has the Valar ever killed any men or elves? Like, they, I don't think they've ever... They, they, wasn't they got there a line? Noldor. Huh? Well, I, yeah, I, I have no... There's there's no way they didn't kill kill men who fought for Morgoth. Like, they, they came over with their armies, and and they were arrayed in battle, okay? And they're, yeah. and they're like, the whole continent was, was destroyed, basically, yeah, in this so. war. 
and all of the men were fighting on the, except for some tiny portion were fighting on the side of Morgoth. It was said in the, in, so they, they definitely can yeah. kill men in battle. Um, yeah, but, but it, it seems like they've never killed men uh, as a judgment, as a punishment, like as a, like a legal declaration, like you right. must now hmm. die. But, hmm. and the Valar didn't, it was Iluvatar that did that because he's the right. one, right? It was at that point that they gave up the, their, they gave up their, uh, their ordering of the world, their uh, governance and, Luvatar destroyed the men. It wasn't their call. I thought Dan was talking about something different than that. What, what, oh, were you? Maybe. Well, I, I think I think the Valar, if I'm not mistaken, like I think they have killed men in battle, but I don't think they've ever had the right of an, in and of themselves to declare judgment mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and and decide life or death for for men. Even in the same way that Aonwe was hesitant to to kill Maglor and Madras at the right. end, they didn't even want to you know excise or execute them. It's like or yeah, they deserve it, well. but we're not going to do it because hmm. it's it's almost like it's not up to them. Yeah. All right, question number two: <laughs> Is there something in men, especially in the Dunedain, that belongs in the Blessed Lands? Quote: For the Dunedain held that even mortal men, if so blessed might look upon other times than those of their body's life. And they longed ever to escape from the shadows of their exile and to see in some fashion the light that dies not. For the sorrow of the thought of death had pursued them over the deeps of the sea. So this is following, of course, the fall of, and destruction of Numenor. And, and it's talking about the Dunedain now, who are the only Numenorians that are left. They are literally the faithful. And so it, I feel like maybe there's something in the line of the Numenorians because of their elvish heritage, even though they've chosen immortal life, which draws them back to the blessed land. I think it was almost like catnip for them. They couldn't, they almost couldn't help themselves. They needed to see that light. They needed, and even after the destruction of Numenor, even after the bending of the world, the Dunedain still have in them that they have this great sorrow of the thought of death and they had longed ever to escape um, and to see in some fashion yeah. the light that dies not. Yeah, it's it's kind of like um, it's like it's like being a, a junkie, right? It, it, you can't you you still. But for something just, good, just crystal meth destroys yeah. you, right? No, no, no. I know that's what the, my point is. That it's like they, there's a part of them that just is like I just long for that. Like I can't. Mm -hmm. I just want a little hit of the the light of the trees. <laughs> of what's left? Uh, a two trees junkie. I mean, that's what you think, right? They, they would <laughs> a two trees junkie. <laughs> that's what, but that's what they would do even before uh, Numenor fell down. Right? They wanted to. They, the, the the faithful still wanted to glimpse. They would sail out into the into, mm -hmm. into the, their mast to exactly. the top. Exactly. The exactly. Like, they they like take these but great then, sea voyages just yeah. for the off chance that they might glimpse the mountain. Yeah. Uh, which has reflected light from yeah. the light of Valinor, <laughs> not even the, the not light even of the real thing. And the Valar make the point: you see this light, you're going to die faster. Exactly. You're going to you're going to burn out. It's going to you're uh, going to burn out. In the same way that you know, if you if you're if you're smoking crystal meth every once in a while, you're going to probably burn out pretty fast too. So really, the two trees—that's just the start of the Portland of Middle Earth.
So the uh, all those Frodo lives um, vandals in the sixties <laughs> oh, were right. Geez. This is all just a drug metaphor. That's right. Oh man, <laughs> where have we gone? So what was so was your question was your question that there was something in like the ontology of men that that they are meant to desire the high the, men the... of of the Newman of the of the men descended from Elros? Because mm-hmm. here's the here's the thing. It seems There's like something they, built it, into them. Yep, and, and even you see it in Faramir, and even you see it in Aragorn. This sorrow. There's the, there's kind of a sadness ab- yeah. about the world. And they desire this light, and it said he, Tolkien says it directly. To me, that's immensely tragic because it's almost like these are the men who reached the heights and pinnacles of what men could be, in terms right. of craft and power, wisdom, actual wisdom, bliss, knowledge. They had it all, and they're just they they yearn for the thing that they can't have. They learn yearn for the escape from death and the light that does not die, and so. It's that's tragic. Like the lower men don't have that desire for the light that cannot die. They don't have it in them the way the Numenorians do anyway, and the Dunedain. Mm. So is the that question like, is, um, go ahead, oh, go Dan. Is, is that like that C.S. Lewis quote where he says, "If I find in myself a desire that nothing in this world satisfies, that means I was probably made for another world." Mm. There's something in the Numenorians where right. where we're built. We're made for something else, and, and right. we don't have it right now. So we don't have me, it on this side of death. Augusta, or Augustine, parse... our hearts are restless until they rest in the... Hmm, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. Or or perhaps this, like, like there's another approach to the question is, is it perhaps because they have seen the tree that they long for it rather than being a part of their heritage? Hmm. See, have, they, okay. have they seen the light in the same way that once... Someone sees the Silmaril, unless you're strong enough, right? You do, you like like uh, Thingol, right? He desired it so greatly that he was willing to die for it, right? Because he desired the light. The light had a grip on them because they weren't strong enough. In the same way that you know, Galadriel eventually she passed the test. Honestly, not for the ring, not for for power, but uh, that's what the Silmarils were. They were like even a symbol of of, of power for for those that wanted it, right? The great. Well, that is fascinating. Ever. That's that's great, Jonathan. I like really fascinated because the Silmarils are not the ring. They're not evil. They are yeah. good. They are actually good and beautiful and were blessed objects. They're sanctified, in fact, mm-hmm. is the word that Tolkien uses by Varda. And so they're made holy. So, and yet, all the children of Iluvatar who, well, not all of them, Baron, Baron doesn't, doesn't, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, besides Baron and a handful of other people, everyone wants to possess them and, and the, to their ruin, mostly. Yeah. And uh, so it's fascinating that that even good and the good and the beautiful can be for Tolkien can become this source of your destruction because you yeah. want what you should not want. And that's how Tolkien ends this chapter too, where uh, in the this sort of uh, pro uh, epilogue to the Akalabeth, he writes, and tales and rumors arose along the shores of the sea concerning mariners and men forlorn upon the water who by some fate or grace or favor of the Valar had entered in upon the straight way and seen the face of the world sink below them, because that's what Iluvatar, Iluvatar did. He changed the fashion of the earth. Um, and so had come to the lamplit quays of Avalone, or verily to the last beaches on the margin of Amon, and there he had looked, and there had looked upon the white mountain, dreadful and beautiful, before they died. So it's essentially it's like it's like you know stepping into the flame. Like I'm gonna, I see it at the very end, and then I'm I'm gone. I cannot, I cannot. You can't bear it. This light, this power, my my mortal body can't bear it, and so uh, I may I may witness it, but then I just perish in the witnessing of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think men are not made to witness that kind of 
beauty and power, right? It is like the elves are the ultimate, I think Tolkien, I don't remember where he wrote this, but they are the, they're the ultimate version of what artistry is on earth, right? They are able to create the greatest art, right? Their, their power is, is essentially a part of them and their artistry, their ability to um, create the most beautiful things that are a part of this world because they are attached to this world. Their, their souls, their bodies are attached to this world. Uh, it, it gives them something that men could never have. And so when men witness the ultimate version of that, where they took the light of the trees uh, and, um, I mean, still we have the, the, the tree of Pontuna that, that is there, but witnessing that is just too great for them, right? Yeah, it's overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, and, and tragic. And tragic. It, it, yeah. it's, it's a sadness because it isn't that they want something evil, they want something good. And no man ever holds a Silmaril, right? Only the elves ever do. Well, Baron does. Well, Baron does, you're right. gets his hand bit off. Yep. Okay. And, and that's it. Yeah. And we talked about that, how the Silmaril seems, seems to withhold its natural effect from Baron and doesn't burn right. his hand right. When, right. He, when he takes a hold of it, which right. seems to imply the Silmaril doing something, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. But... It goes back to the whole anthropomorphic aspect of some of the, mm-hmm. uh, the artistic creations in Middle Earth. Man, you know, here's one other thing I wanted to say. Sauron reminds me a little bit of screw tape because <laughs> everything he does, he's like, he knows, like, what is it? Uh, screw tape writes uh, in the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis something about like, uh, you know, half religion is as good as no religion. Like, if yes. we can just sort of like, uh, you know, lead them astray a little bit, then they'll eventually uh, fall into that chasm that is valid. Anyway, but yeah, so like he reminds me, like he does everything sort of just pushes them a little bit so that they start seeing that. Like he says, uh, what is it? The darkness, right? And still, if they should come at last to the end of those lands and seas beyond, beyond all, this is what Siren says, beyond all lay the ancient darkness and out of it, the world was made for darkness alone is worshipful, right? Because out of it, the world was made mm-hmm. and the Lord thereof may yet make other worlds, the Lord of darkness, to be gifts to those that serve him. And so that the increase of their power shall find no end. And so he pushes them. He makes these things. Uh, he convinces them of small truths wrapped in greater lies. And uh, they fall for that. And so, yeah. um, a lot as of, men ever have. Yes. Yeah. True. Right. Mm. He's unable. Is he, is he able to do that to the, uh, like, not even to Fanor's children? Does Morgoth ever sway them to his side? Are there, no, it's other the, than it's... Maglor, no, uh, other than. Um, uh Maglin, right who mm. who works essentially for morgoth once he's captured uh is it Maglin? am i remembering that right in gondolin uh is yes. That, mm-hmm. yes okay <laughs> the names always man maglor Maglin, madras i just start losing it with all that. um yeah there, there are very few elves that he can he there was no way there would be no way this is a parallel if an elf took if an elf king was so stupid as to take sauron prisoner <laughs> He still would. He wouldn't have been able to convince a bunch of elves to turn yeah. to uh, sacrifice of, of people, you know, yeah. elf sacrifice or human sacrifice or whatever. Yeah. He wouldn't have been able to convince them to worship Morgoth instead of Eru. Like, there's, there's no way that that's believable. And el- elves are too tied to the goodness of the world. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, uh, men, uh, men, uh, and and we have a lot about that earlier in the in the Silmarillion where Morgoth daunts men easily. And he and he leads them and forms their societies, and Sauron does the same thing. So, hmm. yeah. so in two chapters, the rise and fall of. So, 
and we would be the amiss. greatest human civilization. Like we, we have to talk and we will in the extended podcast, talk a little bit more about all the questions that we got about freedom and, uh, more Melkor Morgoth in his final form and, or so to speak, and, uh, how, how many generations of ends there were. Uh, but also, um, what, what do we make of this in the rings of power? Because now that we've read through a Calabeth, obviously in the rings of power, they still don't have the license to this, but this is an expansion of what are in the appendices to the return of the King. Right. So when they can't, like we mentioned last week, they can't even get the motivation of the Numenorians, right? Right. They, they, they could point towards that more in the second season, but certainly they missed it in the first. And if you're going to make any point about the Numenorians and their motivations, that would be the point to have fun. Well, they did. They had, they had plenty of motivations. <laughs> Numenorians are scared of people right. taking their gerbs yeah. and they're, <laughs> they, they, they have really careful about the three ships that they own to make sure that they don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so our fair is on is like, we need to build a wall, a great wall. <laughs> Keep out all the elves. The greatest wall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. If we... <sighs> it's like, I don't even know where to start anymore, like, talking about this. What is, what, is, what is the one thing, like, after reading through this, that you might take away and say, like, okay, here's where... Okay, get, here's where the Rings of Power got it right. The wall of water. <laughs> the one wall of water. Yeah, was that, like, episode in four the, or something? When she was, like, of, when she was holding Tar-Mariel. Palantir... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the wall of water. Uh, they, had, but it, they, they got they, they got, they got the part that right. Talk- However, they would got it wrong that Galadriel was seeing that. Oh yeah, well, of course. <laughs> like all the details are going to get wrong. You, you just asked me for one thing: Tar yeah. Palantir himself. The fact that they had Tar Palantir and that and that and that he was he sure. was intimated to be uh, a friend of the elves and um, you know a returning to the old ways. I mean, there's some vague references that are kind of right. It's it's but it's a it's a it's just a series of missed promise. There's so yeah. much that so uh, I would have loved to have been so excited by this series because there's the the Numenorean story is so powerful and could be so rich and they could fill it out because of course what Tolkien gives us is only a sketch. Um, there's there's here in the Silmarillion there's only one chapter about it yeah. and then there's of course there's other stuff that we we know from his. Um, from the uh, fall of, of Numenor, the um, book, yeah, wait, yeah, the book collection, and and others, but and some from his letters, but there is, it's just, it's so rich, and 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 they missed the, the central theme. I, that's what I don't even get. I do not understand that. How do you miss putting in? It doesn't even take any talent. There, the entire driving, yeah purpose of the downfall of Numenor and who they were as a people was centered around their fear of death and their yeah. desire for the light of the blessed land and to be able to, to sail there. That's what they wanted. Yeah. I will, I will say the one thing they got right was that Sauron was guileful. <laughs> All right. That's about as close as I can get, yeah, I, right? Yeah. I, I don't think that they can tell that story though, Michael, because I, I think, um, for, they don't understand that being a bad thing. They don't understand hmm. we, you know, like it's like back in Genesis in the garden, we, we shall be like God. Um, 
they don't have a problem with that. And so to, huh. to, yeah, to have that, right. to, to, to have that be that's the fair. bad thing that brings them down, they, they wouldn't get it. They're like, we don't, <laughs> we disagree with the, that uh, the Numenorians were actually making a bad decision when they decided so, to take on the, uh, the Valar in the uh, Undying Lands. So yet another example then of this tor- of the story that they think Tolkien should have wrote. Yeah, they decided to write it, it instead. We want to be right next to him on the bookshelf with a story that he never wrote. Mm-hmm. But in fact, what they're doing is they're retelling the story that he already wrote, just doing it incredibly poorly. This is what I don't get. Anyway, okay. So we're going we're gonna to jump into mm-hmm. our extended podcast. We're going to do a little bit more. And we're going to talk about this here, which in case you missed it, it was an announcement. <laughs> made i'm very excited for this for this uh upcoming series shelob will be in season two of the rings of power and i'm sure we'll find out about her daddy issues too so his her eh, it's kind of his anyway you're looking at a if you're listening this is a uh a picture a poster of the upcoming series young shelob (laughs) <laughs> riffing off of the young sheldon series and it's an image of a three six-legged spider that was generated with ai anyway i think it looks pretty good amazing good time i, I, I want to print this out and put it up on my wall <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty high quality i mean i can like i can zoom in pretty far and you can you know it's not too bad yeah you'd probably get a good like 24 by 16 on that anyway <laughs> whoa what an image to finish our podcast on <laughs> picture young shelob coming at you season two the rings of power Are you excited i'm excited whoop whoop super wow. excited yeah this is gonna be awesome but guys i can't wait until we see shelob and the funny thing is is like yeah like you said it's all member berry so we're gonna talk about that extended podcast we're gonna talk about the questions that naya and harrison and aj have submitted i gotta say too like harrison and uh and aj they have really like stepped up some of the conversation lately and in, in uh it, it, like going back and forth about uh greed and motivation and deathlessness like it's it's a deep conversation and I, i'm 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 hesitant to step into that because uh they're showing their true colors and uh, they're, they're, they're pretty good <laughs> this is cool uh anyway so if you want to join us discord. in our in our discount discord conversations to get our extended podcasts where we answer and we talk about and some, well, sometimes we don't answer we just talk about to kind of hopefully you know spur other thoughts uh in our extended podcast go to the learning.com slash member become a member there uh, and if you don't like it, you can cancel within the first month and you, you never pay a thing. So we'll, uh, we'll head off unless there are any final thoughts about the second age, because we are now going to get into of the rings of power and the third age. In the next finally, season. finally, we get to talk about the rings of power because we haven't <laughs> talked about that at all. Oh, not at all. We'll talk about the real rings of power <laughs> that are forged in <laughs> the proper fashion and <laughs> the proper process um we'll get two probably two episodes on that but first next week we're going to do our uh, special confessions from the comfy chair our torque inquisition of each other uh for everybody to listen to i love inquisitions i'm catholic <laughs> and we love at, we love posting questions on doors that's <laughs> post the questions and you can anyway you post the questions we'll ask you we'll ask you the questions later yeah yeah so i guess they're not questions they're theses but we'll call it we'll, maybe we'll call this uh, the torque the, anyway anyway i'm gonna stop <laughs> now we'll move on to our extended podcast good seeing y'all see you next week all right see you guys bye freeloaders